0: hello and welcome to the et phd team podcast the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you i'm Amelia, a registered nutritionist and phd with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier if you love it please do go wild and share it and if you're ready for support with our coaching details are in the show notes Hello and welcome to episode number 109 of the ETPHUT podcast with myself and Lynne Hyland. How are you? Good, well, thank you. Good. And we've just been seeing how fabulous you look with your lashes. Thanks, guys. And that's us commenting on an appearance and that's okay sometimes. How are you, Anna? I am well, thank you. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. I'm
1: actually very well. It so just cute. makes such a difference.
0: So, and I keep doing your stories with the cherry blossom I'm like oh, screaming I honestly I'm such a slower for a cherry blossom every time I see them it's <laughs> like oh my god I just I love them I think they're they're the most aesthetic thing of, about nature one of the most aesthetic things other so long as long as
1: they're not near your house like one of my neighbours has one outside theirs and when the blossom falls, it just blows onto my driveway, and it is an absolute ass to try and get off. I'm oh. like, yeah, but
0: mm, no. <laughs> oh, see, I think it's nice, but then I don't clean my driveway. Like I just <laughs> let it be. So that's probably my problem.
2: Yeah. I love a cherry blossom. My nana used to have one in her garden, and like all of our communions or confirmations, our photographs would be like under nana's cherry blossom because it would bloom at like May time. Um. <sighs> Well, they have, like, massive roots, so, like, it's not a good idea to have them in your garden. They're, like, a bitch to get rid of. My mom, it took her ages. She had to get a tree surgeon out, like, to properly remove it from the garden. Oh, You can buy fake ones. I'm getting a fake one from my garden. (laughs) I didn't know that. I'll send you the link.
0: Thanks. I'll take it. I know that um, Khloe Kardashian's baby shower had tons of cherry blossoms in it. I know that. (laughs) And um, also, on a side note, Lynn, if the tree surgeon's fit, hook me up because... The other day when I was doing my beauty hunting on my walk, which I do always, I know I say it on Instagram, but like I genuinely, and I think you guys do too, genuinely when I'm out for a walk or I see something beautiful, I do take note of it 99% of the time. And anyway, I was doing my beauty hunting the other day and there was a man up a tree and I was like, oh my God, like this is the sexiest thing I've seen in a long time. I don't know what it is, but a man up a tree, like not a boy, obviously, like a grown man, like doing some tree surgeon stuff. I was just like, this is the, this is the fittest thing I've ever seen. So if you're like, you know, just keep that in mind. If you need yeah. any work done in your garden and you get a tree surgeon again, or your mum. invite
2: you over for the weekend.
0: Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. No, that'd no, be no, great. Done. No, the date. Great. Okay. So moving on. Um, Let's crack on with the questions. Anna, do you want to go first?
1: Yes. Um, how do I stop thinking about exercise as a way to burn calories?
0: If you're wearing a Fitbit, take your Fitbit off. First of all, that's always a really good start. And like, I definitely used to do this when I was on prep. I used to do like I'd burn. It was really a really ineffective way of doing it. But I used to like burn a certain number of calories during my training session, whatever it was. I didn't try and burn calories during my training session. I just tracked it. And then afterwards, I would m- go on stairmaster and meet a certain calorie target before, I, like I then went home. Not disordered at all, because you know bodybuilding, and um, totally fine. So I do, I do get it, but I think really, like, there's take the objective stance of what are all the reasons outside of calorie burn? Because actually, weight training, especially, is barely burns any calories. Like, it's not a calorific expenditure thing and if you really want to burn calories you'd be better off going for a walk than training um so I think looking at like what is the benefit of weight training for you like how does it impact your health how does it impact your mood how does it impact like your psychology your bone mineral density your longevity all of these things are positively impacted through weight training and keeping that at the forefront but also like practically log in your lifts, making sure that you're when you're going into the gym you're like am i like psychologically am i like revved up to go which is not what's going to be the case let's be honest but am i motivated to go am i like in the zone am i focused am i logging my lifts? am i well fueled like focusing on that rather than like just stop looking at your calorie your calories because you don't track i don't know whoever in the house And that might be more calories than going to the gym. Like you don't track all these other things. So why are you tracking resistance training when resistance training is actually nothing about, nothing to do with your calorie burn in the first place.
1: Yeah. And I think like you were saying before, like if you're out for a walk, like make it a thing about beauty hunting. So the focus isn't on expenditure and actually like immerse yourself in, in what you're doing um be that what whatever you're doing whether it be walking training cycling I don't know yeah
2: the Fitbit thing is quite interesting as well though I don't know Fitbits do it but I used to have an Apple watch thank god I got rid of it and you would set like a calorie target for each day and it would like alert you and be like oh you haven't burnt your calories yet or close your calorie ring so you had like a, a stand ring an exercise ring and then like a calorie ring And like, I get the whole stand one to stop people being sedentary. And that is quite like beneficial to get up and move your body a bit. But the calorie one was quite like, you know, oh, yesterday you were far more along on closing your calorie ring than you are today. And it's a bit like that can really get in your head. So I do agree with getting rid of that or setting it ridiculously low that it doesn't even matter. Like have it at like 50 or 100 if you do have an Apple watch and it's bugging you because that's how insignificant it really is. Like, and you, they're not accurate which I I know everyone hears that, but they don't actually take it in that they are literally so inaccurate.
0: Yeah, they're accurate for heart rate-ish, steps-ish, but calorie burn, absolutely not. And I think one of the studies that looked at it said something like the variation was, I think one study found a variation of something in like the 90s, but on average, like the variation is like 40%. So that's nearly half of your daily calories that it's getting wrong. So yeah.
2: Agreed with that, good point. Len, got a question? I do. If I've had a bad night's sleep and I'm really hungry the next day, do I honor that hunger or tell myself it's the sleep?
1: Hmm. (laughs) What would I do? What would I do? Um, I think, keep in mind that it is, you are gonna be slightly hungrier Sure, because you've not had as much sleep. But I think where I'm at at the minute, and obviously this is goal dependent, just, uh, I'm probably just going to eat a little bit more and, and be mindful, obviously, like getting some nutrient dense foods and maybe increase volume with those. But yeah, if I'm hungry, I'll just do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head though. Like it depends on your goals. If you're trying to improve your relationship with food, then Honoring your hunger is something that you probably are going to want to learn to do. But if you're trying to diet, then you probably don't want to honor that because actually you're trying to get into staying a deficit and you can recognize that you're hungry because of lack of sleep. It doesn't mean that it's not real hunger. I think that's the important thing. Just because it equates to a lack of sleep, your ghrelin levels are probably still higher. You probably still are actually physiologically hungrier. It's not like some sort of manifestation of a lack of sleep. And so if that is the case and you are trying to improve your relationship with food, then generally I would say honour that. But again, depends. it completely depends on your goal. Okay. How did you
2: all find a therapist, if you have one? I, I really don't think we need to go into my therapist story. <laughs> <laughs> I knew <think> We do. <laughs> okay. Um, the therapist I found that was really good. It took about five therapists to find, but I had one therapist that was recommended by my GP, and it was local and it was a female, which is something that I I, I wanted a female therapist. Uh, I've now realised it doesn't really matter. It's whoever you kind of gel with. But the therapist was lovely, and we had three sessions, and I missed the fourth se- fourth session because my mum's dog had died, and. I was obviously with my mom and I canceled it. And then the next time I went into her, which was like two days later, she sat down and was like, had her like notebook with all her notes on how like screwed up my head is in front of her. And she was like, "Uh, so yeah, you've had a really rough week. And I was like, yeah, yeah. My mom's dog died. You just don't seem to get a break. And she started crying. No, she did not.
0: She did. No. She was a
2: dog person. Okay. Which is fine. Like I would cry if someone said to me their dog died, but I was looking at her being like, I'm in a place where I really need you to be strong for me. And if you're crying, telling me how bad my life is right now, you're not giving me hope. Yeah. That's
0: really unprofessional.
2: Mm, Yeah. So that's how I knew she wasn't the one. I was going to say, did you continue with that therapy? No, no. That was literally my last session. Like I left, my mom picked me up outside and my mom was like, well, how'd you get on? And I was like, "Um, I'm a bit confused because I I made her cry. She didn't make me cry. And my mom was like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> Let's find you someone else. No, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Yeah, um, I think trial and error, though. Like, obviously, they're not all going to cry at you, but I had to go through a few to find the right one. It took a lot of like going to someone two or three times to be like, I'm, I just can't seem to open up. But then, when you find the right one, it's, it's. I suppose it's like with friends or with a partner, you kind of know when you find the right one that you can just let it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I think my I think my, my most recent therapist. <laughs> um, no, she she was the only one that I've actively like sought out. Uh, when I've had therapy before, it was referred from uh, a GP. Um, and similar to Lynn, in when it's been referred, it took me a few to find someone that I really, really clicked with. Um, but yeah, the the lady that I've uh, been working with most recently, I just Googled local, um, local therapists. And then um, there's a fantastic clinic near me and had a look through the website and found someone that I thought would be a good fit. And thankfully we have been. So
0: yeah i don't really have a huge amount to add i have been through various like methods through gp referral and more recently used BetterHelp. um with BetterHelp, i tried a couple and i didn't stick to any of them i didn't feel that any of them resonated but i had a couple of sessions where i could easily tap into what i needed to talk about and got it out and i felt like that was sufficient um But I know a lot of people that have had success with BetterHelp because you can kind of say what you need and then pick and choose and swap who they match you with, which is quite good. But again, it's the same as what you were saying, Lynn, you still have to trial and error each person until you settle with the right person. And I think I remember when I was doing some research with a colleague of mine at Manchester Met and she said something like the statistics of therapy is, I I've, I don't know the exact numbers but it was something like 90% of people only have one therapy session and then stop really? it's, yeah and I get and I, and I get it I really do get it. I think some of it is probably related to lack of matching with the right therapist and it takes a lot of energy and vulnerability to even sign up for therapy and look for therapy and then if it's not right it's so easy just to go that's not it's just not right for me and then wait again so you do have to have that bit of perseverance I think
1: yeah it's me again (laughs) um how best to stick to macros when eating out
0: well well again again so your goals are super important here if you have a short-term fat loss goal then sticking to your macros is going to be more important than if you are just generally looking to drop a bit of body fat for your health and you don't have a specific timeline on it it matters less if you're going over your macros once a week as long as you're doing it pretty mindfully and you're not kind of going into the screw it mentality it's not it really doesn't matter um so it's important to figure out where you sit on that spectrum first but realistically to track track it i think track some restaurants now have like you can track actual like they have their meals in like my fitness for example. And if you wanna be super OCD about it, if again, you have a short-term fat loss goal specifically, then you can probably track that and otherwise track like, rather than tracking a meal, track like um, the rough ingredients on the meal that you had, including things like like overestimating the oils that they cook in and stuff like that. I mean, realistically, if you were being super pernickety, that's what I'd do. For most people that we work with, that's not helpful and it's not required either. But again, if you've got a fat loss goal, you can do things like track through the day a certain amount. Say your say your calorie target was 2,000 calories. You could track a thousand calories in the day, make sure you've got tons of veggies, lots of protein in there, and then leave that a thousand calories that you've got left from your macros for the for the meal out and just go and enjoy your meal out. Don't worry about tracking it. In general, I'd say that's probably a, a the best sort of balanced way to do it and if you are somebody who is maybe still working more on your relationship with food and you're tracking for some reason then just carry on like your day is normal track like normal until that point and then just stop tracking rather than trying to hit a certain number.
2: I wouldn't really add much just in my experience anyone that's going out for a meal like that and is tracking it's not the meal that causes any sort of interruption really in their journey. It's more how they react in the days afterwards because it tends to flick that switch in their brain where they're like, well, I screwed it now. It's Friday night or Thursday night, I've ruined it. I'll start again Monday." And it's more about working on your mindset around how you navigate them. And as you said, like one untracked meal is totally fine. And I would probably recommend the same. Oh, it's me. Um... <laughs> we are on fire today. <laughs> So alert. Um, I feel like I'm grateful for the same sort of things all the time. Is that okay? I do feel like it helps me, but I'm not sure if I should be mixing things up.
0: I mean, it's fine. We're grateful for cherry blossoms every day whilst they're here. I think it's fine, but I think it can be a little bit indicative of maybe that you're just not putting too much intention or effort into it, which is okay. And... I mean, every day I wake up and I genuinely am like, I'm so grateful to be in like my cozy bed and to be happy to do my work and to be warm. And I have those kind of really basic gratitudes in the morning, every morning, I'm grateful that I can go and make myself a coffee and like, I'm grateful to be alive. And that is the same every day. But, and I think that's an important kind of, it's important to have the basics there. But I also think if something different happens that day, It's nice to be grateful for that. So I'm grateful for the person that came and had a chat with me in the gym today or um, I'm grateful that, I don't know, my best friend cooked my dinner today, whatever it might be. Grateful that my lovely friend sent me some flowers on Sunday, like little different things. Be grateful for those. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think if you've got the same gratitude every single day with no variation, I think that is something to look at and think, why, like where would I like to find gratitude? where am I not feeling fulfilled or where am I not putting the intention into finding that gratitude?
1: Yeah, nothing nothing to add with I'm afraid.
0: <laughs> okay. How do you know you want to move your body more because it feels good for health and not because of an underlying desire for fat loss?
1: You enjoy what you're doing. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was, I was going to say it's kind of again to flip it on its head how how would you feel if you didn't would there? it like I guess it comes back down to guilt and if you weren't to move would the guilt be there because you're not moving your body for that loss
2: I would be I would kind of oh, sorry Anna I keep no going. no no go on go on um I would kind of say like if I would go for a walk if the weather is nice and that has nothing to do with fat loss. It's because it's a nice day and can look at trees or the sun or the lakes or whatever it might be. And I would maybe question like, what would your go-to be for fat loss? Like I wouldn't jump on the Stairmaster for 45 minutes for fun. So if I'm seeking that out, it's probably going to be something to do with. I want to change my body, which is why I'm doing it. But going for a walk on the beach or, you know, meeting friends, I don't know skateboarding, rollerblading, whatever it might be, if that's enjoyment as well, and you would do it anyway, you can kind of know you're doing it for the benefits it's giving your body and your mind rather than just fat loss.
0: Mm. I was out on my board the other day and I was going past this group of people, and the man was like, It's like California over here. And I was like, ho, ho, that's me. <laughs> I've been my best life. Um, it's a bit of a side note uh, yeah i think it comes down to like being honest with where your head is at what are you actually thinking before you go for a walk what are you thinking before you go to the gym and is it a should i should go for a walk although that being said i should go for a walk for my mental health is still i don't know if any of you've seen that tiktok where or the instagram email, and it's like here i'm at here i am going for an effing walk, oh, an mental, effing uh, uh, a
1: walk stupid mental health yeah <laughs> yeah
0: um, and and I think that there is helpful, there are helpful shoulds in there sometimes. But call yourself on it and say, oh, I've not done enough steps today. And I feel that I need to do this number of steps for my body. Is it for your body's fat loss or is it for your body's health? Because again, it's okay to have shoulds. I think most people should be aiming for a minimum of six to eight thousand steps a day on the whole yes there are some situations where that's not helpful especially people maybe like who have ha or people who are chronic overexercises or whatever the case may be there are certain situations of course when that is not a should but for someone's mental well-being I think that that's a really good number and that's a should um, but are you think like again are you thinking about it in terms of the way the, your body looks or are you thinking about it in terms of, I really love to go skateboarding? And a, there's not really a specific answer, which is why we've all kind of skirted around it because there's not like a clear cup, black or white. This is for fat loss and this is for health. It's you getting curious about the stories that you're telling yourself around that situation.
1: Um, I struggle to buy things for myself Not so the necessities, but more extravagant purchases. I think this is tied into self-worth. How can I overcome this?
0: Super common, super, super common. And some people, I think, don't necessarily often overcome it. And there are worse things not to overcome, but you do deserve to be able to buy yourself things. And you work hard for your money and i'm sure i mean everyone works hard for their money in some way shape or form and i think it i don't think it's about changing necessarily the behaviors but changing the core belief but similar to something we said recently on another podcast sometimes the behaviors come first so we were talking specifically about treating your body well and just because you don't always think necessarily at the start that your body is deserving of nourishment and your body is deserving of care but the more you treat yourself with nourishment and care the more you start to feel like it's deserving of it and it's the same sort of thing And I'm not saying to go out and buy some expensive handbag and, and things that you don't necessarily care about but challenging yourself to actually do those things it might be buying yourself I don't know, Palmer's cocoa butter instead of Tesco's cocoa butter as an example. Something that you really want that's a little thing that you wouldn't normally let yourself have, like challenging that. And when you use it, really enjoying using it. And I think that's the other thing a lot of people will buy things or be gifted things, but then not actually use them because they don't feel like they don't want to waste it on themselves. It's the same as people who don't necessarily cook for themselves, but they'll cook for other people because they don't want to waste it on themselves. And it's like, sometimes you just have to actually do it and repeatedly do it and it can be small little things small little you're not supposed to use those two words together (laughs) I don't know what that phrase is but there's a phrase for that Dr Mike said it at the level up conference and I was like oh that's a good phrase anyway don't remember what it was so it couldn't be that good um but start small and actually taking those actions rather than waiting to waiting for the thought to change
2: yeah I'd agree Um, Okay, can you help me with a thought process for when my brain is telling me I should eat a chocolate bar or biscuits when it's not actually what I want and for it to avoid feeling like restriction? For example, I had a full satisfying breakfast one day around 8 a.m., but when I got back from dropping the kids uh, before starting work, i met a coffee and my brain told me to have a purple snack with it. I really didn't need or want it, but I'm afraid to say no to myself or it'll feel like I'm restricting myself. Purple snack I know, elite Oh my god, that is a throwback I forgot about
0: those I don't know what they are guys (laughs) Oh my gosh You'd be missing out I'm going to have to
1: Google it I don't know
2: (laughs) I actually, I need to interrupt the podcast Just to update people Because I got so much hate over the peanut butter and jelly thing That you two swore you'd make me eat at level up Well I won because I did not eat it Yeah I forgot I know, and I'm so happy. <laughs> Damn it! Oh
0: well, September, September. <laughs>
2: anyway, sorry. Yes, oh. I'll send you a purple snack, Anna.
0: Yeah, they're they're hard to find these days. Purple snacks. They're so yeah. good now. Oh, no.
2: oh. It's, like a, it's like a shortbread kind of. Mm. Have you ever had a club milk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of it's like a a purple snack is very similar to a club milk. Oh. Mm. That's great. Probably get
1: on board. I'm not going (laughs) to lie.
2: I mean, there's there's nothing offensive about it. Shortbread and chocolate.
0: It's great. Um. Now I feel like I've been very
2: much distracted from the actual question. Can you repeat it, please? Yes. Can you help with a thought process for when my brain tells me I should eat chocolate or biscuits when it's not actually what I want? And so it doesn't avoid like or doesn't feel like restriction. Oh,
0: yes, we can do that. I would say... This is such a cliche for me, but here we go. I would honestly say like, check in with what's important to you because, again, I will eat. I Again, I, can't, I come back to the same situation all the time because I always want pizza, but I do always want pizza. But I come back to the same thing of I would eat it regularly if I could. I'm not restrict. I mean, I am restricting myself. I am restricting myself by saying, oh, you can't have pizza every day because A, I care about my finances and B, I value my health for the journey that I'm going on for the future. So it is restrictive, but it's coming from a place of this is what's important to me. So that's okay. It's not restrictive in the sense of I'm trying, I'm falling victim to diet culture. And so I think if you're somebody who's maybe trying to improve your relationship with food, having it sometimes is in line with your values because you're practicing unconditional permission to eat but then other times not having it is going to be within your values because you're checking in and you're going I'm actually not hungry and I recognize that this is just a habit and actually if I go and do something else for half an hour I probably am not going to want it anymore and that's a good tip that you can do anyway just do something else for half an hour and if you still really want it then go back and have it because remind yourself that you have unconditional permission to eat whatever you want should you choose to do it and should it be genuinely worth it but ask yourself like in an hour what would I prefer to have done tomorrow what would I prefer to have done and I think checking in with your future self again such a cliche but checking in with your future self is so like so powerful to think about to change your current behaviors yeah Yeah. okay um, doo, doo, doo. one of Denai's questions, how to see your, how to see through the process of healing your relationship with food when you are struggling with the weight gain that comes with it. This feels particularly hard with summer just around the corner.
2: I think it kind of ties back into what you were just saying of the actions you're taking now to benefit your future self. So your health and your well-being in the future and it's a little bit uncomfortable now, which for some people, if they do gain weight when they start working on the relationship with food and remove the restrictive dieting, that can be uncomfortable. But remember why you're here. Like, remember how you felt when you first spoke to Deny. And I get my clients to do this a lot. Like, if, I feel, if I can sense that they're feeling a little bit like frustrated that you know they're they're not at the end because everyone wants to be at the end goal everyone wants everything to be gone swimmingly and they're not there yet to reflect back on like their first ever communication that they had with their coach and just say like how like who who was that person and are you any way close to them now because 9 times out of 10 you're not going to be you're going to have come a long way and when you get so fixated on the end goal and working towards that you can kind of forget how far you've come and what you have overcome and you can really disconnect from how unhappy and dissatisfied you were before you started and before you started working with deny so I would reflect back on that and read over that first bit of communication to see how far you've come like read back over your check-ins see the progress you've done and internalize it and remember that you're doing it for the greater good so yes it's a little bit uncomfortable right now but next summer the following summer the following summer you're not going to have that oh I need to diet for summer and then oh I can put on weight at Christmas because it's winter and oh now i need to diet again like that cycle is going to be gone Mm. you've just touched on something i was actually reading about this morning and i wrote some notes on it weirdly
0: um but it was some stuff about behavior change that i was looking into and it's interesting because what they were talking about was um how to progress through something and it doesn't matter what the goal is so in this example it's your relationship with food and dealing with the potentially negative side effects to that or the feelings of negative side effects to that and the, what they were saying was like it's really important to, to first of all review like this is where I am and this is where I want to be and for people who are super maybe experienced in a certain area or are super motivated to do something they will benefit from looking at what more that they can do so it might be okay I've done this much right but we're not focused on that what we're focusing on is, well I can still improve my relationship with food and x y and z and how exciting is that I can make all of these changes and so if you feel relatively experienced and you're quite motivated then that looking forwards of all the things that you can still do and you still get the opportunity to do is super motivating and will help you with behavior change but if you are someone who is maybe newer to this process or you have that kind of lower intrinsic motivation so you're not necessarily hugely driven to do something but you maybe feel like you should do something then you'll benefit from what you were saying Lynn of looking back at how far you've come and really taking your time to write that down until to, to almost quantify it in some way and say like this is all the things that I've achieved and that can be super motivating to move you forward so it depends on who you are and your mentality around it and how well-versed you are and all the stuff as to what might benefit you most. But it's worth doing both of those things, looking at how far you've to come and how far you have come and say like, oh, actually that really motivates me or that doesn't motivate me. And you can use that for any situation, not just healing your relationship with food. But I'd also say uh, weight gain is transient and I'm really mindful of us saying, deal with weight gain as if it's not a big deal i'm really mindful of us in smaller bodies saying that it's like it's not important because it is important and weight gain can negatively impact your health and weight gain can make you feel less confident and it can be really really challenging um especially if you are already in a larger body and so we definitely recognize that and we recognize how challenging it is And what we would never want to do is to um, like invalidate that feeling because of course that can be tough. On top of that, you've got all the societal norms of not wanting to ever gain weight and you should always want to be leaner. And if you're leaner, you're more successful and we have this internalized weight stigma. And that is really important to recognize. And when you're dealing with it yourself, like have some compassion for yourself to say it's normal to feel worried about this it's normal to feel anxious about this and it's okay and I don't have to not feel that way I don't have to kind of shove it down and, and suppress that feeling I'm allowed to vocalize that and feel that way but on on top of that it's like but is this moving me through to to the end point and can I lean into this discomfort just a little bit longer in order to finally get to the point where my relationship with food is good and then I can review and say well is fat loss going to be helpful for my health okay well maybe this is the right route for me or is it or maybe it's not and for some people in larger bodies fat loss is still not beneficial for their health or in diet and it's not beneficial for their health because of the negative impacts that can have on them but for other people who are in larger bodies it might be and that might be the next step that you go down i don't know who asked this question so i don't know so i think it's really about like treating it with like compassion and an open mind and at the forefront leading with that idea of impermanence and the fact that this is just this small chapter of your overall journey for want of a less wanky term <laughs> do you ever say
1: it and then you're like even i'm beginning to cringe now like. yes yes
0: regularly it's just some. yeah it's the same as like package when you used to compete bringing my best package I,
1: I slight tangent but I had so much fun when I put that up um because I obviously Lynn I don't know if you follow many competitors but now it's like showtime and all the terms are coming out again and what did oh, I can't remember what I heard it was like this year we're leaving no stones left unturned was that, oh. Oh, this is brilliant so I put it to um people what was their favorite um, like bodybuilder bro like phrase and I I had so much fun with it it was brilliant
2: <laughs> thought I wanted to do a bikini competition years ago I, like I thought about it for a month or two and then it was actually my partner that was like <laughs> nope. <laughs> now I look back and I'm like thanks <laughs> yeah it's
0: not I mean it, it served a purpose it served a purpose all good just not something we would necessarily repeat, necessarily, definitely repeat. <laughs> um, okay, Anna.
1: This week, I've not been a very nice person to be around at work mainly. How can I apologize for this without showing weakness to my colleagues slash boss?
0: Apologizing is not a weakness. I think that's really, really important there's nothing like do you know how strong it is to apologize I think I think this is one of my lessons of my 30s I could put on one of my posts once like it's total just apologize and move on it's not a big deal the re- like I think it's important to figure out why you're so reluctant to want to apologize in the first place and it's probably because you don't want to be wrong. It's probably because when you're wrong, you feel like you're not done things perfectly and you're probably a perfectionist. And so it, it hits against that core belief that you're not enough. Or it confirms you're not enough because you've made a mistake and that hurts too. Um, so figure out why you don't want to. But I think reframing it and being like, I am the bigger person. You know, when you're a kid, if you've got siblings and you're the sibling that apologizes and your, your mom or dad are like, thanks for being the bigger person like like (laughs) that like channel that and realistically even if you don't mean it it it, no one's going to remember it tomorrow just get it out of your mouth and then move on Mm -hmm. yeah
1: i was that child
0: (laughs) i was always that child middle child
2: yeah yeah that's just it (laughs) yep I was the eldest, so of course I just did everything perfectly and set the, sta- the standard for the other two to uphold. Oh. <laughs> I joke.
0: Do you, do you joke?
2: <laughs> no, like I think they're perfect. But like they came along when I was a lot older, so of course I'm like, there's there's absolutely nothing I would change about them. I'm sure, my dad would disagree, but like I, I'm like, no, they're perfect. They learned from me. They're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Do you have any advice for managing negative thoughts or frustrations with my body due to chronic illness? Whilst I was away on holidays, I recognised a huge amount of sadness, frustration and grief for the things that I can no longer do. This isn't about the way my body looks at all, but how my body feels. Not feeling like I can swim out deeper into the water to look for dolphins with the kids because I couldn't be sure I could keep them and myself safe. Not being able to play volleyball on the beach due to pain in my wrists and ankles. Not being able to run on the beach, which I've always done on holiday. I don't want this to sound like a pity party and I'm so grateful for the things my body does allow me to do. Ultimately, I need to find acceptance for the way my body functions now, but it's so hard when I miss the old me. Thanks for any advice. It's tough.
0: I think similar to what I just said on the last question actually is is allowing yourself to, like you're already justifying it. Like I know that I should be grateful for all of these things. Like that doesn't mean that you're not totally within your rights to say, this is shit. I am in chronic pain. This is it's unfair. It's it's crap. It's painful. It's frustrating. And all of those things can be absolutely true. And avoid, avoid feeling bad for feeling bad. You're those feelings are totally valid and you don't want to get lost in them. And reframing can be really helpful and focusing on gratitude for what you do have it can be really helpful um and to kind of pull you out of getting lost in that um but you still want to recognize that those feelings can be there and you can hold space for both I, I think the answers for me would probably still be in like acceptance of what you can control and showing yourself compassion for that But then compassion is also taking action and thinking about what action can I take here to support myself? And that might be through things like doing the work with Lynn and working on your health and your relationship with food and honouring that and being proud of yourself for that. Or it might be practising gratitude every day for the other things that you have been able to do. Um, And I think one way of doing that is imagining imagining those things are not there anymore. I think when we're talking about being grateful for the basic stuff and in the morning one of the reasons I say thanks every morning when I wake up most mornings when I wake up is because when I say I'm grateful for being in my bed because imagine I wasn't waking up in a warm bed imagine that was taken away from me imagine someone took my coffee machine away from me like that would be very upsetting and it can be really easy to just fall onto, oh, I'm just grateful for these things and not really internalizing it but imagine those things that you do have weren't there anymore and that can really heighten your gratitude for them so I would I guess focus more on that side of things where possible okay (laughs) um Lynn this was one of your questions from before that I'm going to answer because I'm mindful that maybe it got missed um How do you split up with your friends when you now realise they're not contributing positively to your life? Where do I find new friends with the same values?
2: Oh,
1: such a good question. (laughs) Um, I think, I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely found myself just naturally begin to distance myself from people that I don't want to hang around with anymore. So starting to decline invites to things or- You?
2: You? Decline an invite?
1: <laughs> Let's not be foolish. Shocking. Um, but yeah, so there is that distance and then it's almost like, well, there's not that expectation. Um, again, not because I'm a people pleaser, but there's not that expectation that I'm always going to be there and then you can pick and choose. And if if it gets to the point where you just don't want to see them anymore, full stop, then you've already put that distance between you. Um, But in terms of finding new friends, (laughs) am I the person to ask? (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, Very exciting, but I've signed up for, I've I've started um, a, a local yoga place. So I'm hoping to find some yogi friends there
0: oh nice nice
1: but it's about finding common interest isn't it and that sort of thing I think most people there probably are on the same similar wavelength to me maybe Mm.
0: I think that's the point though, too. like not everyone's going to have the same values as you me and Emma don't have the exact same values but we share some of the fundamental values we don't disagree on some of the fundamental values but We have different values, and life would be very boring if you had the exact same values as everyone in your circle of friends. And I think when it comes to like romantic relationships, you want to have shared values, maybe different um, enjoyments and things like that, but still, or different opinions, but similar values. But with friendships, not, I've got different values from tons of my friends, and it's not about having the same person can do every single thing with you it's right. oh that person I really love to go to for advice that person's really good for just like going hell for leather and having the best time and partying that person's really good for I don't know helping me with my career and and that's like networks of friends are like that and some friends will do will be able to support you and you can support them more than others and that's the way that friendship works. so I think be super mindful of not thinking that you have to have like this perfect person come into your life as a friend because that doesn't necessarily happen but I think if they're not po- like not positively contributing to your life like you said Anna it's about just kind of phasing that phasing that out and what is what is it they do in friends that is phasing it <laughs> out yeah as soon as you said it I was like yes friends. <laughs> everything like it's so funny you can say certain things and it's just like friends just come immediately pops into your head Um, But I think it's about removing the guilt from it because relationships have, all relationships have a, a purpose and a duration and some of those durations are forever and some are not and there's no guilt and there should be no shame around that fact that you've maybe outgrown that or they've outgrown you or you've grown apart. Again, kind of treating it like that was as long as that partnership was supposed to last and that's okay and moving through it is is all you can really do and you don't need to have this big conversation where you say we're not friends anymore it's it's just you just maybe chat a little bit less and hang out a little bit less and that's okay it's sad but that's not that's the
2: way that life is and accepting that that's quite the normal part of life just need to interrupt here to um, do some fierce self-compassion towards this client as well you will find new friends by doing the thing you said you were going to do as one of your goals for this year so if you sign up for that class it would be fun <laughs> oh um okay Anna.
1: Oh yeah, that was I no, that was that was that was Lynn's question, but you asked
0: it. So <laughs>
1: um how not to care so much what you look like and fight the urge to lose weight. I know it's not the best thing, best thing right now, but can't help wanting to. Why do you
0: want to? Like why do you want to? If you know that it's not the best, then why do you want to do it? And I think that's where you fight the urge to do it because you're trying to find something in fat loss. What is it you're trying to find in fat loss and how can you find that somewhere else? Because realistically, if you're in a health, like say for example, if someone is in a healthy body and fat is not negatively impacting their health in any way and they want to lose body fat, off, like it's totally okay to do that, first of all, but sometimes we do that because we want validation from someone else, or we want, I don't know, to look to a certain way for our ex in summer, or whatever the case we want to fit in. And as you're changing your body and sacrificing your health, the way to do that probably not, but there will be other ways of supporting you to feel more connected and. Um, confident in yourself aside from changing your body so I think you really have to be honest with yourself maybe you're looking for some sort of control because you're feeling a little bit uncertain um really look at what it is that you're looking for um, Lynn go for it
2: I don't think I have any more actually from this
0: week I think I've got one I think I've still might yeah, I do I've got one of yours so I'll do it for you um I felt awful all week but not so awful that I could justify being bed bound so I felt rubbish and just approached food as pocket. I don't know if I to say that word I ate when not hungry I ate so much sugar too I think I was trying to change how I was feeling but of course it never worked and I was never satiated to be fair this hasn't happened to me since starting this journey and it's a good reminder of how far I've come they'd happen much more often before any advice on how to approach these types of situations
1: I mean, excellent awareness that that's what was going on. And I think it's really important to remember that even when you have a, quote unquote, great relationship with food, these weeks still happen. Uh, We openly talk about (laughs) beige weeks and that's completely fine. Um, But yeah, definitely worth getting, curious as to what was going on what were you feeling trying to identify that and then what's going to be most helpful in that situation
0: i agree i think give yourself a break when you're sick often you will reach for easy comfort foods for a bit of a dopamine spike and ease and comfort and that's okay um and I think moving forward, like it's really important when we go through what we would deem as like slips or behaving in a way that we didn't want to behave, that we reflect on it and say, well, what would have served me better and what led me to take that action and what can I change for next time? So we don't know the answer to that. You know the answer to that. So maybe you didn't have the food accessible in your house. Maybe you didn't take a pause before you ate or... Or maybe you just really wanted some chocolate. Okay. They're all okay, but recognising what the driver was and how you set yourself up for that and thinking, okay, well, next time, if I'm feeling a bit rubbish, I'm going to make sure that I nip to a shop or I get someone to bring me some delicious, easily accessible, like boxes of grapes and strawberries and food that I also really enjoy. and Or I let myself just have a bit of chocolate because it's okay to com- comfort eat, Sometimes, and rather than getting frustrated that I comfort eat and then eating more, just accepting that you comfort eat, and that's totally fine. And you don't need to eat more than that. You could just eat that and then move on. Okay, I think have we got time for one more question? I'm gonna get one more question in. i scrolling down to one of my clients' questions, which seems to be quite far down my list, but that's okay. Okay what is the point if any in creating cycling i've heard quite a few people talk about taking breaks from it so wondering if this is necessary or beneficial
1: no <laughs> no just I, I i don't know where it where it came from but it was certainly something that um i was told to do that you needed to like load it saturate the muscle and then go back to maintenance <laughs> but you you just need to keep on taking it
0: yeah I don't know where it came from either no like even I've taught creating in lectures for about half an hour and looked at all the research and I still have never seen the research on cycling it I've never I don't know where it's come from I think it's just certain people trying to overcomplicate complicate things to sound more intelligent than they are Shocking <laughs> I know, Who knew that happened Okay Thanks everyone for your questions And keep them coming And we will do more next week Thanks Bye Bye so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review and if you would like to chat to me then you can find details of my instagram in the show notes